This is Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Bonsoir. And normally this would be the time of year when uh, I'd be like knee-deep in speaking engagements and just being like, we're not going to podcast. Just disappear. You know, we go on these unannounced hiatuses and then I feel bad and then we don't podcast and then we come back and, well, damn it, now we have Patreon members. We do. And now we have to like actually... (laughs) Dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yeah, so anyway, thank you. Uh, Thank you for our Patreons. Uh, So, and actually, this is our free podcast. This is the public podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every other week we do one for Patreon members only. Mm -hmm. And it's fast becoming my favorite one because, I don't know, just kind of brings out the sub in me and they order me around (laughs) and I kind of like that. Sure. But uh, you normally would not be getting a podcast in May. So, because I feel an obligation to our patrons, our Patreons, Mm -hmm. uh... You're you're gonna get a podcast such as it is. Great, and I was. I think that's probably the best description of our podcast in general. A podcast such as it is, such as it is, such yeah. as it is. But when when bird festival season for me is over and I have time to think again, and I'm not training in seasonals, uh, I will have well thought out podcasts. I actually kind of have a cool sure idea for because uh, we want to do a live podcast at some point. Right. And I don't think it should just be you and me on stage. Okay. But, oh, oh, oh my God, I forgot to tell you this. Holy crap. Okay. Okay. So I just did a speaking engagement in Iowa. It was not a bird festival. Right. And um, it was at this beautiful place called uh, Hitchcock Nature Center. And I, it was, it was beautiful. And then the hilarious thing was I, you're kind of like on top of this hill looking down at a ravine and, uh, there was like something that looked like a gigantic lake in the background. And my mom, bless her heart on Facebook, was like, oh, what lake is that? And I'm like, that's not a lake. That is a flooded river. Uh, but anywho. Um, that's really what a lake is, is a flooded river. I mean, let's be honest about this. No. I mean, that's, that's what happens is, you know. No. You get a river going along and then something happens and it's a lake. No. No, like beavers dam it up and it becomes a lake. That can Right. Kind of, sort of happen, but you know, some lakes are like spring-fed. Sure, but I'm saying that's not a you know that's not a great definition of you know what a river in a lake is. Okay, so what river has formed the chain of lakes over by us? Uh, Bill's Lake. Look, we're already having enough issues with names being changed around here. You're not as problematic as the racist that lake they've changed is, but <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay. Please don't, race- Please don't be racist. Please don't be racist. Racist. I'm just problematic. All right. So okay. Anyway, I was going to tell you the story. Okay. Please. So um, this woman was talking to me, and she had been furiously taking notes during my program, and it was like my humorous program that I do, right. the my the keynote that I do. And granted, there's some actual information in there, but I saw her like <laughs> double you say. I know. I saw her scribbling notes, and, and she comes up after me, and she's like, "I have a question to ask you, and I don't know how to ask it." <laughs> The fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, well, I was like, that's that's, and and, and I try to be really friendly. I was like, sure. really, you know, AMA, ask me anything. Right. So, and she said, "Have you ever done? How do I phrase this? I know." And I'm just like, "Does she know about my nude art model?" Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm expecting to happen. It's like, and she's thinking, and she's thinking. She's like, 
I used to work for Grand Portage National Park, and I used to live in Grand Marais, and then suddenly it clicked in my head, and I was like, are you asking if I've ever done anything up in Grand Marais? She's like, I'm trying to think how to phrase it, and I was like, like a sketch comedy show? Yeah? Oh, boy. Like, did you have on a mask that was kind of like an owl? I was like, you saw Play on Birds. Yeah. You saw the sketch comedy show that non-birding Bill and I used to do. Oh. Yeah, it's like, that was me. And she's like, I kind of thought so. And it's like, that's, we started that, I think, even before we got married. Maybe. I mean, it's 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 over 20 no, years I think, old. I think it was after we got married, because I recall a review saying that the, the Steitlers are mm. such and such and such. So I think that might have been like shortly after we gave. My recollection of that is go for it. Uh, this was if just after our friend started booking for a, a small theater, mm-hmm. and you said, "Oh, I'll do a bird show," and then it became, "Bill, can you help me write this bird show?" And then it became, "Bill, will you be in this bird show with me?" I seem to recall <laughs> it being our most successful show. Both audience-wise and financially. You and me both? At the time. Well, yeah, at the time. At the time. Not now. Not now. I mean, we both played to much bigger audiences. But for what it was at the time, it helped. And I really do think that something we should do, and maybe this is for a Patreon podcast, our most popular sketch that you wrote, I think we should, I think it would translate audio-wise. I suppose. And I, I, I could do it right now. Every every now and then, like, I get a smart-ass seasonal that is like, I hear you do stage stuff. And it's like, yeah, yeah, my husband and I have written shows. And, and, and I think even last year, I was like, we we did this sketch comedy show about birds. I was like, be funny right now. Great. And and it just let me tell everybody, if you know someone who writes comedy or does stand-up comedy, don't say, be funny right now or say something funny. Because... Your mind just completely blanks out, and you can't be funny, but... Yo mama is so fat. We're not in fearless comedy. But I uh, I immediately launched into, um, what was it called? The Four Stages? It's a monologue about... Like oh, I said, the Four it, Stages of Bird, yeah. No, that was The Four Stages of Squirrel. No, this was right. the monologue about feeding birds. And I, it's like, I could launch into it, and I had it about 90% down. Okay. And and at first they they kind of looked at me like, this is supposed to be funny. And then like at the halfway mark they're like, oh now I get it. And it was right. like and 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 they 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 smiled politely and was like, oh okay yeah that's really funny. I was like, no what you don't understand is like I have not performed that monologue in ten years and I was able to whip it out and I know I forgot like a couple of lines but I got you there emotionally. Anywho, I think you and I should do the brown bird sketch for our mm. patreons. Yeah, in a Patreon podcast. They're paying for it. I think they'd appreciate it. All right. We'll talk about that later. It's it's not like I'm asking you to do the one that involves the stripper music. Right. You remember the story about that, right? Oh, like, yeah. You were, like, we were in our car with two friends, and you were describing that I was going to be, like, naked with, like, a thing in front of me. And I said, no, and put that out of your head because i know you think you're going to talk me into this but just know and it's not going to happen so think of something else it did happen you just kept your clothes on right and it was one of it's the thing that we closed the show with that people really liked right and as a matter of fact when we retired that show right and left like the the birding cards behind 
they stayed up in the Bryant Lake Bowl oh, yeah. green room for yeah. years. It was like a point of pride when I would be a guest on other people's shows, and I would go down into the Bryant Lake Bowl, which in the Twin Cities metro area, it's this great... It's a small theater attached to a bowling alley. And it's where a lot of comedy greats get yep. their start. It's a, it's, 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 Lizzo used to perform there. It, so did Scrimshaw, yep. you know, and so it's, I have a deep affection for that place. And when people come to the Twin Cities and, and they're like, what should I do? Mm-hmm. I always recommend the Bryant Lake Bowl because mm-hmm. it is a bar, restaurant, bowling alley, and theater. Mm-hmm. And you can see all kinds of stuff there musically and uh, theatrically. And the shows are only an hour and you can get amazing food and beverages in there. You should do the Bryant Lake Bowl. But yep. so many of us have gotten our start there. And so I just really felt like it was almost like our friends who have photos in the bathroom at the Bright Link mm-hmm. Bowl. I felt like a point of pride that Dick Sissel and Himalayan Snowcock sure. were yep. hanging up downstairs in the Bright Lake Bowl. It's like, yep. yeah, I may not have my photo in the bathroom, but the, our bird pictures are there. One of the projects I'm working on right now, uh, the Rinky Dink show, uh, which you can get tickets on, on brown paper tickets. Go to brightlakebowl.com. Uh, there's a sketch about... That might make it in the show. Don't know at this point about like the props that are left behind uh, in the basement, of which there are many. Yeah, and it's <sighs> yeah, and I and I yeah, and I love that Lizzo performed there. And mm-hmm. and if you have not heard Lizzo's latest album, Juice, you should listen. To it. I wonder if Lizzo's into birds. Don't know. Could we get Lizzo in our apartment? That'd be amazing. I don't know. I know people who know her, so well, I I probably know the same. I know. People. Well, let me put it this way: I know people who have worked with her before. Before she before she hit so anyway anyway Lizzo's song Juice it is a it's an amazing song if you're about ready to go birding if you're about ready to do a big day and you need some <laughs> warm up music just put in Lizzo's Juice this All is right. what I'm playing right now before I go into the park service as I'm walking along the Mississippi River from my parking garage mm-hmm. to to my office and I'm just like okay I got to train these seasonals blame yeah. it on my juice seasonals yeah. um. Where were we going with this? I have no idea. We're going to do the brown bird sketch. Okay, maybe. We're going to do it for the Patreons. And Patreons, it, you should you should like tell Bill in the comments that, that you want this to happen. Sure. Because, okay, so, Go ahead and at me, bro. At, I'll tell them what your Twitter handle is. That's fine. It's not a secret. It's not private. It's B. Steitler. It's my name. If you can spell it, go ahead. Yeah, if you can spell Steitler, then you can do this. Best of luck to you. Okay, so speaking of our Patreons, one thing that we started with the last uh, Patreon-only podcast was we we were, like, reading about birds in my old bird books. Mm -hmm. And so Team Azamek was like, hey, can you talk about New World Parrots? That would be nice. I'm like, sure, no problem. And I was kind of gathering some books, and it's like, oh, hey, I'm biased towards Conyers, Macaws, and Amazons. It's like... All right, that's a bit of a tall order. I don't know if Ben did that, but okay, we don't have okay. like Avian genetics and evolution would also be great topics, and I wouldn't okay, mind you're more. Blowing the level. Sorry, okay. Here. Do we need to go back? So no, that's fine. Just avian genetics and evolution would also be great topics, and I wouldn't mind more details about the evolutionary relationship between budgies and lorikeets. All right, I'm sure that uh, Ben must have written about that. Um, we don't. There's no about lorikeets in the New World. Anywho, oh, budgies also, that's like Australian. Anyway, right. I, I I appreciate Team Azamex enthusiasm for okay. our podcast, but I did break out uh, my Birds of America from Garden City. I have bought you so many of these books, and I don't know if this is a book I bought for you or if it's a book that you acquired on your own, but I've bought you so many of these books, I honestly have no idea what is a 
garbage book and what is a book you actually like i like i learned that you like two kinds of books you like bird porn books big beautiful photographs and stuff mm-hmm. and i learned that you like birds that i'm sorry i learned that you like books that are like super scientific just texts and bar graphs like those were the two things i focused on and also weird books like the one i just picked up for you which is birds fighting by Stuart smith and eric hoskins hosking Hosking. Eric Hosking is the guy who lost his eye to a tawny owl. Yeah. Uh, so no, no. Birds Fighting. That might be my favorite book that you ever got me. Right. Because they did kind of legit experiments. Yeah. That, but No, it's a great book. And I knew that I had to get it for you when I got like, But that was just back when I used to prowl used bookstores and look for things look for books for you so that so my books are part of what got me through the furlough was just like having the time to like go through and read my books and that's that's the books that i don't appreciate anymore how do i phrase this are books that i am sometimes asked to write right the books that i say no to and it's it's i just want to put out books with we've talked about this it's the books that are birds as an emotional journey yeah. Which was part of the which was part of the reason why we got you to read Ages for Hawk, because there's a lot of elements in there. But there, there there's is. that, but there's also just kind of like the general. Let's put out all these like little bird facts that you already know. I right books that I don't need anymore. You have, I mean, you have. There are two sides to your birding. One is super scientific and nerdy. Like you have, I think you have both the pile guides at this point, don't you? Oh yeah, which is about aging and sexing birds based on their. Those are things that like, I read when I can't sleep. Sure, and then there are the you know, and then there are like photos of birds because you think legitimately birds are cool to look at, but what you don't have a lot of time for is things that are in the middle. It's like like things that are written by people who kind of know birds for people who know nothing about birds. Yes, yeah, people who kind of know birds. I don't want to read about Ralph Fine's brother going off follow snow geese sure i'm glad he did that i'm glad he wrote a book and i'm glad it's it's people that don't know birds are going to read that book that's great i don't want to have to slog through that right i mean it's the whole thing like the jonathan franzen thing it's like oh yeah you you know that if jonathan franzen wrote a bird book i probably wouldn't read it right but any of our non-birding friends that came to me and said i read this jonathan franzen book about birding i'd be like that's not for awesome. You. Good for you. You are. Yeah. You have. You are on. You are either on the infrared or the ultraviolet end of the spectrum for bird books. But then I have like so one of my all-time favorite books, like the best books, like if you were going to buy a book for me, would be from Princeton University Press. Right. One of Which my which they shouldn't do because you get them for free. Like they send you review copies. They do, and I'm not always great about reviewing them, but I I I, I share them in all the right places. Right. But one of the. <laughs> <laughs> My know what I mean. No, but one of my all-time favorite books from Princeton University Press is Nightjars, Patoos, Frogmouth, Oilbird, and Owlet Nightjars of the World. Yep, and they're allies. <laughs> okay, so it should be Nightjars of the World. Patoos, Frogmouths, Oilbird, and Owlet Nightjars. Uh, those are their allies. Right. They, and I love that in the title they went the extra mile to not just say a- allies, but... Right. These are intensively researched, highly photographed, beautifully produced books that are of interest to maybe a thousand people in the world, and you are one of them. Even if you are not... Anyone who's ever admired a Nighthawk should... should... This book is right. amazing. This, it's one of the most amazing 
family. It's these birds. They're so cryptic. They're so crazy. Most of these birds, you're never going to see. I'm never going to. I'm probably never going to see the pennant winged nightjar. I would love to think that I am. But the older I get, the the less likely it is. But I love that this book exists, and I can see the photographs. And they have everything in here from the study skins to actual photos of the birds. Right. And the information about the birds is just insane. What and this is your insane? level of nerdery, because this the same press will send you books. It's like ungulates of the world. And it's like... Oh, yeah. They just sent me... So they send me a little bit of everything. Somebody Somewhere out there, there is ungulate chick. Which is, you know, was it like non-cloven hooked mammals or cloven hooked? I can't remember what an uncle it is. They just sent me the horse, a natural history. But a lovely horse. A lovely, my lovely, lo- <gasps> I want to review this book and I want to do it and we open it with my lovely, lovely, lovely horse. But it's about, there is there are people out there who are scientific horse obsessives. Okay. But, Where are you going okay, with your fetlocks We're going to skip to the end here. When? My point is, but like, so you get these books, but like you have a very, and I think in the, you know, more than two decades we've been together, I've learned like what books you're interested in. And the nice part about it is you sort of have all these books now. And I don't need to buy any more of them for you because people are going to send them to you. They are, but you can buy me the really weird, obscure ones. The other thing that's that's happened over the years is that when you first knew me, I didn't know any of these authors. Sure. Well, some of them are dead. Right. But now that I've had a chance to get to know them. You mean know them personally or know of them as authors? Know them personally. Okay. And there's someone's like, yeah, I don't need your books anymore. Yeah. And I'll let everyone out there in podcast land figure out who that is. It's right. like... Oh, I really like that subject. I've met you in real life, and you're kind of a misogynist. Yeah. I don't want your book anymore. <laughs> and I really like that group of birds. Right. Okay. They're, they're so brown. Don't add us. Okay. Uh, okay, so you're... Uh, anyway, so I was going to read... To get back to the point, this I was going to read something for into, Team Azimek. Into parrots. Yes. So I'm going to read from the Carolina Paraquet. It's the French spelling, if mm-hmm. you will. We're going to talk about the Carolina parakeet in the French fashion. Uh, uh, other names. Kalinky. Okay. I have to imagine that has to be like a sound that they made. Okay. Oh, it's in Kalinkies. Um, the Carolina parakeet is today nearly, if not quite, extinct. No record of its appearance having been made for several years. Once common in the southern states from Maryland to Colorado, they have passed away before the guns of the white man. Sure. Look at that. Blame it Whitey, even back then. Yep. Um, observers tell us that they traveled about the country in flocks, and their inroads on fruit orchards... One... F- oh, wait. Hold on. Observers tell us that they traveled about the country in flocks, and their inroads on fruit orchards won for them a dislike that in the end meant their inevitable destruction. When a flock was shot into, the survivors, after flying a short distance, would return again and again to their fallen companions until sometimes an entire company would be wiped out. Birds, not that smart. Here we go. Let's, let's, I think we all know that about Carolina parakeets. Mm. Here, I'm also going to throw another bone to Team Azimek. Uh, thick-billed parrot. The thick-billed parrot appears to be either very stupid or very curious. <laughs> I feel seen right now. <laughs> Excessive curiosity is likely to convey the impression of stupidity. Right. 
I would Do you feel attacked that. right yeah. now? Yep, yep. <laughs> no, I feel seen. Ford has an exasperating habit of following travelers in flocks, which keep up such an uproar that every other bird and beast is likely to become alarmed and either make off or conceal itself. This is no wise pleasing to the traveler who happens upon who happens to be a naturalist or an ornithologist and therefore intent upon observing wildlife forms, many of which would remain in sight long enough to be looked at, but for the racket made by the thick-billed parrot. The birds are most likely to be encountered in the pinion pine forest where they feed freely upon the seeds, which they extract with their beaks from the tough cones. In the United States, they are found chiefly in the canyons of the Chiricahua Mountains in Arizona. I'm just fascinated, like, what nature was like before, you know, humans evolved and, like, you sort of find your balance and, you know, well, that's actually is a good segue to the article I sent. One of the articles I sent you is, like, how things worked out, like how ecological spaces worked out in terms of this bird just, yeah, passenger pigeons. They were gigantic, huge flocks that devoured everything, and yet... And sometimes so many of them would land on someone's house that the roof would collapse. And yet, before, you know, before people, well, well, before Europeans arrived, it was like there was some sort of ecological balance in the world, in, you know, in America, that they but were able to. Was there really? I mean, we don't know because all we have from that's true. Native that's, peoples that's, is that's, an oral history. Maybe there's an oral history of shit that will, really went wrong that disappeared because that's of the white why man. I'm fascinated to find out about that. And I mean, if you look at bald eagles now, we keep thinking, well, we've reached capacity with bald eagles. They're still protected by both the Bald and Golden Eagle Act and the Migratory Bird Treaty. But they still keep coming and breeding. It's it's getting to that point in the Twin Cities. Yeah. Like, oh, we, we have as many nests as we can have. Oh, Tom, nope, 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 nope. Wait, there's more this year. You and okay. I remember this from our childhood. There was a point where Canada geese were on the way out. And it's like, no, we need to protect them and make sure. And now they're becoming a nuisance again. Their poop is everywhere in parks. Well, there's Canada geese. There's... Um, the wild turkey it's right. it's i we could probably do a story weekly of some turkey that's being problematic yeah more problematic than me yeah uh in its community but no i mean i was doing an article for a project i will not mention right now but like i was reading about the history of a park and it was like yeah this was one of the first spots in this state where we were protecting and bringing the canada goose back is because canada go- canada geese were rare at that they were i remember when i was a kid my aunt lorelei knew someone who had some property in indiana and it's like every february the canada geese come back you can go see canada geese and then that was a special thing to go see those canada geese. here in the twin cities we do a roundup where they call the herd because there are too many canada geese in this metropolitan area and they have become a nuisance so the thing i'm curious about with bald eagles i mean it is to the point now where and I think we've covered this in the podcast where bald eagles are fighting each other and yeah. they're having battles to the death. I think around the 2016 election, there's a story in Florida of the two bald eagles fighting. Right. And everybody was watching it and filming it. And the fight like got to a storm drain and they went down into the sewer. Mm. And the eagles were taken out. But I just remember that I was like, wow, that is, uh, that is a metaphor for right now. Nah. But... That's happening, but at the same time, you have eagles either fighting to the death over territory, or you have the whole triad that happened in Illinois, where the eagles were like, we're not going to fight, we're just going to be two males with one female. Right. What is the capacity of bald eagles? And then you have to look at 
this is going to be an unpopular thing to say out loud. How much protection does a bald Oh, no, we've need? talked about this before, and I've, I've expressed this opinion that there are well-intentioned people who, once an animal goes on the endangered species list, they fight to make sure that it never comes off the endangered species list. Eagles and peregrines, though they might be threatened, are not endangered species. I would say that an eagle is far more common than a peregrine falcon. Right. Although there is the whole thing of like where I've seen young birders say, oh, we have too many peregrine but falcons, they're eating the rarities. Well-intentioned, though they might be in the interest of conservation, they want to make sure that this bird, that we don't repeat the mistakes they've made before, but this bird may not need the protection Absolutely, but we do have the issues where people are trying to go from industrial farming to organic mm-hmm. farming. Uh, like that place in Georgia, and the eagles are just eating the chickens left and right. Yep. And they cannot get any kind of government subsidy because the government is saying, well, we solve this problem by by just like having chickens in warehouses. Put your chickens right. in warehouses. Yep. Uh, and also, if you want to prove depredation, we have to see the carcass. And if the bald eagle is fl- flying away right. with the carcass. There's also the whole issue of the bald eagle feather bank, the federal feather bank. So... If Native peoples want to use bald eagle parts in ceremonies, they have to apply to the feather bank. Right. That is not an easy process. You can't say, hey, I have a ceremony in two months and I need some bald eagle. Right. It's, it's way more in-depth than that. And I saw someone recently bring up the point, I'm not allowed to pick up a bald eagle feather. I'm not allowed to like keep mm-hmm. it in my house because it's protected not only under, under the Migratory Bird Treaty... But it's also protected under the Bald and Golden Eagle Act of whatever year that was. However, I can just leave it in my yard, and if I mow over it, that's okay. That's a really interesting point. And how do you find that delicate balance of, this is our national symbol. Yeah. I found a cool feather, I want to keep it, whether it is for my personal enjoyment because I'm in second grade and I think this feather Mm -hmm. is cool. Or whether I'm an adult well, and I appreciate a bald eagle, yeah, yeah. or whether I'm someone from a native community that finds deep inner spiritual right. meaning. And as, as we've talked before, these these rules are not in place to bust fifth graders. They are in in place to stop poachers because people are devious, and anytime there's a loophole in the law, yeah. people who are not acting out of good faith will use that to get through. I think the bottom line is that if I ever become head of the DOI, I'm going to make some changes to some laws. Will never happen. I don't know. Depends on the president. Depends on it's. It's you're appointed as. Okay, there are many reasons why that will not happen. One, you would hate that job. You would be under public scrutiny all the time. Two, you are currently married to me. Okay, so (laughs) so basically, yes. If I die and every record of who I am and and what I have done is destroyed. Or you uh, divorce and denounce me? Yeah, you could become a head of. I, I, I think I really feel like my past is more problematic than yours, and and there's a part of me that's like, put me in front of a congressional committee. Let's let's <laughs> let's have this, and I want to be. You just put the bottle, of Jameson, right on the table. Yeah, let's talk. All right, let's talk. I want to be all David Letterman about this. Mm. Like, remember when David Letterman was like, "I'm being bribed because of X, Y, and Z. Did uh. I do this? Yes, I did." That's that that that's gonna be me with the bottle of Jameson. Did I do that? Uh, did you do nude art modeling? Yes, I did. Is this your picture that is in someone's text files? Yes, it is. <laughs> and look at the age that I was, and wasn't I hot? Oh boy. <laughs> 
And please try to tell everybody, me that you don't have those same you know, pictures on your phone. Everybody wants to make change for the better. I think you would be great as the well, I think you would I think you would do a great job as the head of the DOI. I would certainly support you in that, but it's like it's very difficult to enact change because so many people have different concerns for the environment. We've talked about this before. Like I do not hunt. I will probably never go hunting. I think hunters are a great force for conservation. I think that that's fantastic that they do it. I think they're super organized. There are bird watchers who don't want any hunting to occur whatsoever. I don't think I even have a problem with the hunters. I think I could get along with the hunters. I mm. think that would be fine. Right. I think I'd have problems with the off-trail bike riders. True. I think that's where I would make my enemies. Right. Stay on the trail, assholes. Leave the ground-nesting birds alone. And I bike ride. Is that the sign you would put up on this? <laughs> I, actually, my enemies would be uh, off-trail bike riders mm-hmm. and people who want to let their dogs run around all over the sure. place. And, and I suppose also the feral cat lobby, and I'm okay with that. Right. I, that's probably, I bet the feral cat lobby would be where I'd get the most death threats. Certainly mm. I've gotten a couple of rape threats from cat people, just for Wonderful. my opinion. But I feel like if you're a woman on the internet, <sighs> that's like the go-to of like so... what I'm going to do is like, hey, I think this should happen to you. It's like, on the one hand, it's sad and depressing. And on the other hand, it's like, that's such a cliche to I, tell that to a woman uh, on the internet with an opinion. I don't, yeah, I don't have a reaction. I don't have any reaction. Actually, I'm, out of curiosity, as a man with opinions on the internet, does anyone ever tell you, like, I hope X, Y, and Z specific rape ever happens to you? No, never had that happen. Really? Well, I, I just assumed I, like, it happened I'm, to everybody. No, I'm not on the, well, A, I'm not on the internet as much as I was back in the beginning, back when fun Twitter. I'm just... And I don't have a, a personal. I don't have a persona. I don't have a following. You have opinions, anymore. though, because I feel like if you have strong opinions. But I only like I normally only express those. I have not been on Twitter. I'm slowly getting back into Twitter. Oh God! I wish I could just blow Twitter up. Um, Twitter. But like basically, as I've expressed before, I have my Facebook, and I'm. I, I was so close to getting to Dunbar's number. I was so getting close. Who was to, Dunbar again? It was this guy who had this theory that you can only have meaningful relationships with 150 people. So that means sex, right? No, that means you can only, like, know who they are and know what is going on with their life, and, like, your relationship with them means, like, has some... It's not like... I'm not one of those people who tries to accumulate as many Facebook friends as I can. I don't have, you know... I have... I was so close. It was like 180, and there was like, and now I have to add more because of these projects I'm involved with. But like Twitter, I have like just I basically post something that I think is a really funny joke, and it will get like five likes. But but I don't have. I've never had that because 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 you because I'm a guy. Way more opinionated on the internet. So. Do you remember in the Big Lebowski mm-hmm. and the nihilists were coming after them yep. and like their go-to line was like, I fuck you in the ass. Right. That's how I've assumed like when I would get those things on. It's like, oh, that's your way of saying that. Okay. That's like the worst thing you can think of to say to somebody. Right. I don't know. I don't. Well, I, other than. I just assumed everybody. Was other kidding. than I am a guy and I'm not really on Twitter that much. I like, I don't have very strong. Like, I, I don't get that. Like, I've had people attack me, and then I will come back at them with my own twisted brand of logic, and I just, I don't. Yeah, there there are attacks, but then there's just, like, the, they're the trolls that come after you, mm-hmm. and it's like, and it's not as bad now that Twitter has, I, I remember the last, I can't remember. Also, I don't engage with, like, 
popular issues. Like the stuff I'm involved with is like really obscure shit. I know. So I don't like I don't have op- opinions on whatever that would invite trolls to come after me. No, but I, and I, I but I do remember the last time I had something that would have in, involved trolls, and I can't remember what the subject was, but I just remember being like. I don't have any rape threats. It's like really refreshing. And it was because Twitter had changed oh, sure. terms of service. Or the, and they had started deleting people. But I just remember like, this is where my brain is gone. Is that I'm like, oh, this is really surprising. I don't have a rape threat yet. Yeah. Life. How did we get to that with a birding podcast? This is what happens when you try to get me to. I don't. I didn't mean for it to get this dark. <laughs> All right. Should we talk about birds? Let's talk about all the Game of Thrones spoilers. Talk about burbs. Bur- you were almost in it. I'm going to get you broken down. It's like the whole Instagram filter thing. I know you don't like the word burb. I'm going to break it like six months. I'm going to you. You're going to be saying that. No. <laughs> all right, listeners, mark this on your calendar. Six months. Six I'll tell you months. what. I'll tell you what. It's going to take like a lot of Patreon money. Money it's for not me be, to... And here's the best part is, it's not going to be me saying it, because I know better, because if I say it, you're going to resist it. It's going to be your friends. No, it's no, 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 no. I, 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 I've seen, because uh, I'm on other burning pages, yep. and like they, they try to make it a thing, and I'm right. just like, fuck you. <laughs> is there some, does doggo bother you when people are talking no. about dogs? Okay, so what is it, is there anything particular? Doggos like... are domestic. Right, okay. Birds are wild. <laughs> Right. Okay. okay. If if you use that particular four letter word to talk about birds, so this is this is May, uh, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, November, November fourteenth. We have to have like four figures from Patreons. No, it's not even gonna that. You're just gonna be using it. No. Do you remember how pissed off you used to be about hipstamatic and Instagram filters? When people are doing nature photographs? Oh, yeah. I talk about it when I do, sure. like, my smartphone birding okay. workshops. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You are you are far too, like, you're far too funny and you're far too involved with the internet. There's nothing funny about B-I-R-B. <laughs> I mean, that's about as funny as, uh, pro tip, everybody out there, do not post the picture of the horse drinking out of the hummingbird feeder and ask sure. what bird it is. Sure. As a matter of fact... Any animal on any type of bird feeder, if you're seeing it for the first time and you think it's hilarious, the first time you see it, it is. Do not post it to any birding pages. Do not post it to your birder friend's wall because I guarantee you, we've seen it 500 times. It's not funny anymore. I'm blocking my own shot here, but this is this whole thing about like... Shoot your shot. It's about... You're going to give in. It's this whole thing like Noken has cheeseburger and please my wets and all this other stuff. It's not please... Yeah. No, 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 You're no. It's not. In. It's not my wets, and you... it's not cheeseburger. That was funny from the get go. Brb was not funny. You're gonna give in. No. It's not even dog of wisdom. There we go. Oh really? Orly? <laughs> Orly? Yes. <laughs> no. You're laughing at that. Orly. I'm laughing more than I was like. <laughs> I don't understand why this owl owl is saying Orly. And you having to explain to it. I'm also the the kid that when I was little, I didn't understand why everybody was excited about Toyrus. Toyrus? Toyrus. 
I did not understand why Oh, people... Toys R Us? Yes. Oh, okay. Because in my kid brain, it was like, why do people get so excited about Toy R Us and why is there a giraffe? Right. Okay. That's the way my brain works. All right. B-I-R-B, no. I, I'm never going to think that's funny. Sure. <laughs> if our Patreon reaches four figures, then I'll say it. But that's not going to happen because our Patreons are reasonable oh, people. They're good folk. I, I disagree. They order me around. I disagree. I think you've seen, I think you've retweeted too many ridiculous bird memes. I have not retweeted like, anything that involved B-I-R-B. Like the, um, what was the thing? The, um, ah, the bird, Pete, the, the. Woodcocks. The woodcock. The, the woodcock walking on the icy pond and swiggity swoody coming in for that booty. That's hilarious. Like, it is hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's not. The, that's on the same level for me. No, it's not. Yeah. You're wrong. All right. You are so wrong. Why don't you go write right. that in Klingon and tell me about it later? <laughs> Don't at me, bro. Okay, do you have an actual story to discuss? No, because the internet wasn't working. All right. Okay, wait. Okay, I'm not going to read the Archaeopteryx story because... Okay, I'm going to read the story that was all over the interwebs. Oh, you say interwebs but not burb. <laughs> You're right. You see you see where I'm going with this? Apples and oranges. <laughs> One is a very hilarious oh, apple. You want to bring up the apples and oranges story? <laughs> I've heard this on the podcast. And if you don't know the apples and oranges story, book me for a keynote. Right. It's part of my uh, nude beach story. Yeah. Um, which I'll eventually. Anyway, this bird. Which are the apples and which are the oranges? You know, and the hilarious thing at the time was I, I, I said oranges were my favorite, whereas now clearly a Honeycrisp is right. my favorite. Anyway. Continue with your story, please. Never ask, if you're a non-birder, never ask, if you're in a relationship with a birder, never ask them if they... Well, let's just tell the story now. So, Sharon and I, uh, we had been... This was here. our five-year anniversary. Five-year, five-year anniversary. The first big one. The and first to be five. clear, we had decided uh, that for our wedding anniversary, we'll have an acknowledgement, but we're not going to do anything big unless it's divisible by five. So this is the first big anniversary, five year. Our five year anniversary. Sharon and I are having a walk in our neighborhood. We're having a conversation about what we're going to do for our fifth anniversary. And we'd already made plans. First big one. And then we're deciding we're going to go out of town. We're going to do this, 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 and this. We're going to do something for you one day yep. and me the yep. other day. And then we realize, as we're having this conversation, that on the day of our anniversary, Sharon has already scheduled herself for a class at, I believe, the Raptor Center. It was a red-tailed hawk field trip. Right. And I could see, as we're having this walk, as we've been making plans for our anniversary, I could see in her face... That she was trying to figure out how she could get out of our anniversary plans so she could do this this Raptor Center class. Okay, hold... I hold on there, <laughs> Brother Joseph! You almost did my thing from Clive Theater. I did. Hold on there, left boot! Um, no, I was trying to see how we could adjust our plans. <laughs> because the class was on the day we were supposed to leave... You were seeing how we could change the weekend of our anniversary. I was plans. seeing how we could change our plans. Sure. Everybody has a plan. Part of the plan. I was being the Right. Da, 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 da. And, 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 and also, in my defense, this <laughs> class had already been advertised right. 
on television because this was back when I was the Care 11 bird lady. Right. I was not bird chick. So long, I was the bird lady. Long story short, I we can got, see Sharon we got a big is argument. hemming and hawing. And I said to Sharon, you love birds more than you love me. And you said... The second worst answer you can give to somebody, it's apples and oranges, really. Bad answer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, so just like, also, I can't compare my love for birds to love and for you. I wasn't even angry. I was so happy because I knew that 20 years, you know, 15 years later, I'm still going to be making hay out of this response. Um, there was nothing about you in that moment that was happy. I'm not going to describe what was going on because I respect this marriage. It was bad. It was, it was... It was bad. I had to do a lot of backpedaling and soothing. There was nothing in your brain at that time that said to you, I'm going to use this. It's amazing that our relationship survived that. Do you want me to describe what you were no. doing? No, you don't. No. Because it was bad. I uh. realized, like, I made a big mistake <laughs> with what I said. <laughs> And it's one of those things that we're in our 40s and we have been together for a couple of decades that we can look back on and it's like, oh, that was a stupid thing to say. That was a dumb thing to say. (laughs) And you had the reaction that you had. That was a really intense reaction and I had to deal with it. Someday I'll put it in a book (laughs) under a pen name. Uh, you not love, if I get to it first. You love Star Trek more than you love me. Oh, you're not turning this around on me. You love Game of Thrones more than you love me. <laughs> no, because you it's would die. Old, there's a very old Onion article. Very old Onion article about like it's an opinion piece. It's like I can't believe you express express. I'm sorry, I can't believe you expect me to miss this repeat of Ally McBeal for your high school reunion. <laughs> it's only been on twice before, and I have... <laughs> I've only seen this movie twice before, and I've slept with you every night. That was what? a Simpsons That was joke. a Simpsons reference, yes. Uh, what were we talking about? I was going to talk about how a bird evolved into existence twice, thousands yes. of years yep. apart, but somehow... We ended up talking about our marriage. I think in the time we've been having this discussion, a bird has evolved into existence. I just want to tell everybody, there's the American Birding Association podcast that you can listen to where they actually talk about birding news. And there's also something called Hannah and Eric Go Birding, and it's like actual birders who actually go out birding, and you can listen to their podcast. And they're a much better birding podcast to listen to out there, which was my goal with this podcast, but now we have Patreons. This is what they pay for. Now there's me. All right. So, this bird, I actually sent you this link. This is a fascinating story. Okay. The white so, rail. Hundreds of thousands of years ago, white-throated rails flew from their native home in Madagascar to the uh, Aldebar, Aldebra, Aldebra, Bra. Don't bra me. Aldebra, Adel. Mm-hmm. A ring-shaped reef among the Seychelles Islands. <laughs> Seychelles remind me why I don't look at scores anymore. 
The reef, free of predators for the birds, was a comfortable place to call home. And as time passed, the rails lost their ability to fly. But catastrophe struck about 136,000 years ago when a major flood swept through the atoll and the birds beneath the waters uh, and the birds died. They mm-hmm. were just flooded out. But all was not lost. About 36,000 years after that, sea levels fell. The atoll reappeared, and after a while, something familiar happened. The white-throated rails took off again from Madagascar and flew to the atoll, and they evolved out of their ability to fly. It's fascinating to me to to think in this time frame. I mean, somebody, I forget what TV show I was watching, but they were saying that if you look at the age of the dinosaurs, the T-Rex is closer to us than it was to like earlier dinosaurs like yeah and that's and the idea that this bird like within a hundred thousand years which is unimaginable to me but an eye blink in geologic terms that this happened twice that you know genetic diversity decided yeah we don't need this let's uh, let's put our energy towards something else there there's kind of like the Oh, so close with the ivory-billed woodpecker and the the Carolina parakeet. Mm. And then there's also... So I, I was recently out uh, birding with a friend. And so I'm, like, out showing them birds. And as we're kind of, like, driving on these roads, they're like, stop, 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 stop. Look at all the rocks in this field. I'm like, okay. Those are glacial erratics. I'm like, awesome. And they're like, no, 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 no. These were rocks that were, like... Swept up in the glacier when the glacier was over in Minnesota. Mexico, and now they're here. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, and then, like, a, a few weeks after that, I went down to Pipestone National Monument, a national park site, if you will. And they're showing rocks that have these horizontal grooves in them. It's like, oh, yeah, these were rocks that were on the ground, sure. and the glaciers were on top of them that had rocks in them. And just as the glaciers were melting back, it it, it, it put these horizontal lines into it. And it's... That kind of slow type of damage is fascinating. It's, yeah, it's it staggers the mind. It's not something that you can sort of keep in your head as you're dealing with your daily commute. Actually, I find it very comforting. I find things like that and the galaxy really comforting. That the idea of the entirety of human history is a millisecond in... So, like, when... Someone is in my office freaking out about federal nonsense. Mm -hmm. And not that that federal nonsense isn't important, but it's like, oh, wow, these fires are all happening. Mm -hmm. And I was like, meh. Okay, I'm just going to say this. My my supervisor literally accused me the other day. He was like, do you know the the cartoon where the dog is having coffee and there's fire all around it? Yeah. You're that dog. There are fires everywhere, and you're just like, this is fine. And I'm just like, it is. I mean... Eventually the fire will burn out. The fire will burn out, and it's like, yeah, this is terrible. Everything that's happening right now is terrible. I remember... But when I go home at the end of the day, I can go birding or bike riding or drink. I remember one of the the books, I think it was uh, Microsurfs by Douglas Copeland, the guy who coined the term Generation X. Mm. And he's, at one point, the characters in this book are talking about, like, I can't imagine being... A, an animal like a bear and thinking a bear doesn't think oh wow my cubs are gonna 
eat entirely different foods and live in an entirely different area than I live in. Mm-hmm. It's just like this idea that, I don't know, this Tyrannosaurus rexes, how long were they around? 50 million years. And then they were gone. So will we be? Yeah. And, and that's what I, I and, and I find that incredibly comforting. Uh, mm. Like, we're going to be gone. I'm going to be gone. I have some notoriety online. Right. And if electricity goes off. I have nothing. All of that disappears. Well, I mean, you have like your books and stuff. But I mean, just like if, if something happens that decimates our ability to communicate electronically, we lose so much. Uh, that. But in the books that I have, let's be clear. They're not birds fighting. They're not for Bush May. They're right. not Audubon. Right. My books, if they survive, someone will find it and be like, oh, this is a really weird book. I might try to see if I can find some research about this particular person. And maybe it's like Nijelti Blanchin. Mm-hmm. Probably even less than that. And someone might find a few artifacts about me, and then they have to kind of make up what my life was. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be completely inaccurate. Yeah. And let's say I write something worth... I, but I, Let's say... I win the literary lottery and I write sure. something that sticks and, and I become something that would last a few hundred years. Yeah. Everything about me would be a fiction that people would yep. just like, oh, I found this one sentence and I'm going to yeah. make up. And it's like. I forget the guy's, I forget the guy's name. It was an author. I think it was probably Neil who brought this up. He like was talking about the, you know, the, the inferior nature of fame and it was like this guy who died he was the most popular author of his time mm-hmm. and he thought people people are gonna remember i'm shakespeare people are gonna remember for and nobody knows who we are who he is now when custer died he was an american hero he mm-hmm. was the most he was a hero of the civil war he was a shining paladin of the and now he has become the repository for the american you know, decimation of the Native Americans. He is, you know, and so he has become a metaphor for being a colossal asshole. But when he died, he was like, oh, this noble guy perished so so that this nation could live. And it's like, you don't have any control over... No, you don't. Your legacy. I wonder, I wonder of like the, the famous birders now, who's going to have the best legacy? Sibley? Ken Kaufman? Julie Sikafus? Sibley has a strong content. I mean, it's, you don't, I mean, it gets into this issue of what, what is your influence? Because they did that special, like, at, I think it was the turn of the century, where it was like, who's the most influential person in history? And they came up with Gutenberg, which I thought was a great choice. It's like, Steve Gutenberg? Steve Gutenberg, star of Police Academy, is the most influential person in history, according to Sharon Steitler. Please tweet that. And at me. Uh, yes. Uh, movable type. Like the idea that information could be produced cheaply and accurately. And that was was like, you don't have a control over... How much control do you have over your legacy? You have none. You have yeah. absolutely... And, and Facebook even tries to give you the illusion. My favorite thing is like one day Facebook... Do you remember like, clout? Oh, I still get shit about clout. And I was like, who cares? Yeah. But no, remember the day you got the message from Facebook? It was like, Sharon has, like, assigned you the task of 
her legacy uh, if she yeah. dies. Yep, and yep. It, it was just a thing that came up. It's like, hey, do you have someone in your life who yeah. wants to take control of your page in case you, like, die tomorrow? I was yeah. like, oh, that's a really good idea. I should make build. I'm just going to post ghost emojis. That'd be great. That'd be great. One of the best things I ever heard on one of the uh, movie podcasts I, I used to listen to was um, the original Star Wars sets in Tunisia, like the Tatooine sets, mm-hmm. like the houses and stuff. They were being overtaken by sands, like the sands are just drifting. And nobody, nobody's maintaining them because, you know, nobody gives a shit. And the idea and the thing that they were proposing on this podcast was the idea that future archaeologists are going to find these and think that they were human inhabitants. It's like, why did they live in these huts? This is a bit, what is this, what is this water processor that was here? Did they have advanced technology? <laughs> They're going to find the Popeye set in Malta. And they were large, the people who lived here. They sang arrhythmic songs that didn't rhyme. We're finding all these... What is all this cocaine on this set? No! Harry Nielsen yeah. and Altman. There's no cocaine left. There's no cocaine left. <laughs> and Robin Williams. They swept it dry. Also, okay. I mean, I have issues with Malta. I There's part of me that wants to go birding in Malta, but then when I realize that Malta still has the oh, yeah. Robert Altman yep. Popeye set, and I just want to visit it. I know Popeye is not a great movie. I love Harry Nielsen so much. Sure. That is, it's one of the things that Clay Taylor. So, if you ever want to try and get a Swarovski discount, and you see Clay Taylor at a bird festival, tell them how much you love Harry Nielsen because Harry Nielsen is amazing. It's one of the things that Clay Taylor and I bonded over was Harry Nielsen, sure. amazing songwriter, singer, um, very talented guy, he very wrote, talented he wrote guy. The coconut song. Did he write that one? I yes. Just, okay. Yeah. Because they're like some of his most famous songs he did not write. I'm I'm reasonably sure he did. Okay, that one that. he wrote. Okay, I, I love his songs that no one has ever heard of. And anywho, mm. but I just remember at a young age, my brothers and sisters who are far older than I am, uh, being like, "Oh man, they made a Popeye movie," and I was like, "I want to." see this and i love the music from the popeye movie and i will always have a fondness for the popeye movie also it's where i discovered i like robert altman films as one does when they're eight (laughs) but in hindsight like when i look back at that movie it's like oh i love that movie because of the harry nielsen writing this might be our weirdest discussion ever we started talking about birds evolving twice over the i know but anyway Malta has issues because poaching and migratory mm-hmm. bird corridor. and But all the stuff that I read about Malta, it's like, I want to go to see the migration. I want to go and help like, stop the poaching. But also, I want to go to see the Popeye yeah. set. Not because Popeye is a great movie, but because I know Harry Nielsen went there and did a lot of drugs with Robert Altman talking, and, and, and Robin Williams. You're talking to the guy who, when he was in L.A., specifically visited sites from Midnight Madness. I have no... I got no beef with you doing that. <laughs> I don't care for Popeye. I never want to watch it again, but if you... Let's... I okay. listen to some of the Popeye soundtrack yep. in my Spotify probably a little too much. Yep. Yep. yep, yep. But I also balance it out with a lot of Lizzo. <laughs> If, that's the thing I'm terrified of after I die is someone's going to find. Your and actually, playlist? actually, I'm really terrified because early on with Spotify, you could like join it via Facebook and people could follow the music oh, you're yeah. listening to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at first I was like, I don't want people to know, 
But now my freak flag flies. So if you follow me on Spotify, right. you're going to be like, is Sharon okay today? I'm not. Concerned. Why is she listening to the song again and again? Why is she listening to this soundtrack? I'm sure I've said this before. I'm not concerned that when I die, people will find my browser history. I don't think anyone will give a shit or be terribly surprised by my browser history. I'm concerned about what people will find about my mute filter on Twitter, like the stuff that I was sick of hearing about on Twitter. No, I'm more, I, 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 and I'm not even really concerned about this. And it's, it's just, just like. I thought Sharon was going to have a lot of dick pics in her hard drive. <laughs> I didn't realize that many. Yeah, right. Okay. Do we have uh, Do we have anything else to talk about? I'm really sorry. I'm just going to apologize. This is why we never podcasted during bird festival season. <laughs> and I'm kind of to the point where it's like, let's start realistically talking about bird festivals. Bad idea. I know. We should stop because I have some opinions that are very unpopular. We are absolutely going to stop. This is Bird Chick Podcast number 247. We're getting close to the quarter century mark here. Okay. So I feel like 250, that's going to be a public podcast, right? Mm -hmm. We number these when they're public. Yeah, all the public podcasts are public. Okay. Like, I feel like 250, if you're a Patreon or a public member, Mm -hmm. you can give us suggestions. We are absolutely not doing a retrospective because I am not going back through this show. fuck no like someone we know is going back because they're a crazy ass completionist and it's like hey this podcast is missing and i was like are you talking about like after the most recent hiatus and we're back in the patreon no 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 no. and then she started telling me which episodes i'm like one and two fuck that shit yeah like i I remember going back when you switched to squarespace from the wordpress site oh this was before that and i had to manually upload like all of the podcasts i remember some of our early podcasts that we did at neil's house oh yeah and and but anyway it's like you don't need to hear those if they're gone they're gone for good hey a couple of things for me can i just uh you plug your shit baby thanks gonna do the rinky dink show uh we'll throw a link up on the you have to throw that link up. I will do that. Uh, if you want to, if you live in Minneapolis, you want to come see a show. I'm not performing in it, but I wrote something for it. Um, also, I am going to be apparently on Bill Corbett's Fun House in the near future, so you can uh, listen to that. So we need to quid pro quo with Mr. Corbett. Mm-hmm. Tell him that he has to be on the Bird Chick podcast. I'm sure he would be okay with that. It, it's like he's he was a crow. He was crows before hoes. Yeah. Wait. I'm the hoe in this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, if you have any questions for Sharon, you can talk to her on Twitter. She is at birdchick. You can email her Sharon at birdchick.com. You can uh, comment on the post at birdchick.com. You can find her on Facebook where she is, what, the birdchick? Is that your handle there? Facebook.com slash Yeah, because I have a face squatter for. Yeah, all right. Okay, uh, we will be back next week with a Patreon post. Um, if you want to support us for at least a dollar uh, a month, you can get all our bonus content. And seriously, if you are a Patreon member, you can order us around. It is my favorite sure. thing when a Patreon says, I want you to talk about X, Y, Z. Yep. Talk about that. And also with the Patreon stuff, you hear stuff that I won't say publicly. And if you... If if that's not something that uh, you can or want to do, you can uh, write a review for us on iTunes. It definitely helps us out. We will be back in a week. Ta-ta. Maybe.